Welcome viewers and listeners to CHP Talks. I'm here today with another exciting guest, Mrs. Nadine Ness. Uh, and it was our pleasure, my wife and I had the chance to meet Nadine as we drove across the country in April and May. We had stopped off and met a number of wonderful people. Nadine was one of them. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. But uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Nadine, for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, Nadine is a married Christian mother of four. She, with her husband and children, live in the wonderful province of Saskatchewan. She is a former RCMP officer, and, and I want to thank you for serving your country in that way as well, Nadine. Uh, she's you. also the founder and the president of Unified Grassroots, a nonprofit organization that started in a time of COVID mandates and that is focused on the fight against division, hate, discrimination, and coercion. I think everybody should be able to join a movement like that. We, uh, we want this country to be a better place to live and, and a more comfortable and happier place to live. So between her family responsibilities, uh, mother of four, and her organizational commitments, she is a very busy woman. We're so glad, Nadine, you could join us today to talk about the freedom movement in Saskatchewan and your work with uni Unified Grassroots. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's well, it's great. So when uh, you have a inter very interesting story and uh, want you to share as much as you want to share with, uh, with our viewers and listeners, when did you begin to get control? You haven't always been political. I, I understand <laughs> that that's something relatively new for you. And we're not talking about necessarily partisan politics, but mm -hmm. political activity to affect what kind of a country we live in. So when did you begin to get concerned about the direction of Canada and even Saskatchewan? Well, I'd like to say it was right away. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, to be honest, when it first, uh, when COVID first came, I, like many people were, was quite afraid of what was coming to Canada because we thought like we we're seeing what was happening in Italy and my husband being a doctor um, as well. We knew um, if anything, he, he would be one of the first ones at risk. And um, I guess we were all okay with two weeks to, to flatten the curve. Yeah. Right. And then, but that two weeks to flatten the curve kind of turned into two years to flatten your rights. Yeah, that, that was the longest two weeks of my life, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then after that, when we started seeing the actual numbers and we realized it wasn't as serious as, as we had thought it would, would be, and then we started seeing the negative effects of, of what the mandates were, were coming, I personally uh, experienced that with my family. I have a a child that struggled deeply with mental health. And that's kind of what led me to, to start standing up when they announced that the mandates were going to come back to the schools. I got very concerned as to how it was going to affect my kids um, in a negative way. I won't get into the personal details of that. I have talked about it before, but um, when, when someone posted on the town page do you know when the next school board meeting was? I, I 
I wondered if they were worried about the same thing as me. So I messaged them. It was at a point in time where we, we didn't know who we could talk to and who we couldn't. Right. So I messaged her and it turns out we were on the same page. And so I said, Hey, let's meet at my house. We'll come up with a plan to present in front of the school board. And um, she had a few friends that would, was going to join in and I ended up starting a Facebook group just so that we could share my address and it'd be easier to share information on there and it was a private group and um, I said just send to the people you know and she asked if they could invite a few friends I said sure (laughs) and within 24 hours we had 850 families in the school division join in on, on the Facebook group so I quickly erased my address (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, we ended up having a town hall that um you mean your living about, room your living room no no not in my living room <laughs> yeah we ended up having a town hall and um about 250 families showed up and out of that town hall we came up with a team that was going to organize the meeting we ended up starting a not-profit organization which was con- called grassroots concerned parents which then later on turned into unified grassroots and kind of it kind of evolved from there because my husband was a doctor a lot of people would message me do you know any other doctors or any other medical professionals so we ended up starting a group for nurses and doctors that also spread so they wanted to do a letter to the province and needed somewhere to publish. So we started a website and then teachers came to me and same thing. So we ended up forming small signal groups for people within their profession so that they could come together and fight the mandates together. And um, so that ended up growing and growing. We have over 500 teachers in that group and they kind of started a subgroup, which is called Sask Alliance. So if you guys haven't heard of it, you can go look, look it up. They're actually taking on the province as well as Saskatchewan health authority and all school divisions to fight um, for equality and against discrimination as well um, as, as rights um, medical rights and informed consent. So, so they're taking on legal battles of their own. And then, um, yeah, so then we, <laughs> I had this infamous call to with the premier. And if anyone's watching this and they don't know, um, the pre- premier before this call had had pretty negative language towards the unvaccinated or, or the vaccine free he uh, he would say things like, we've had enough patients, we're going to make life difficult for you, uh, very divisive language. Wow. Um, and then I made a video basically telling him how far they've strayed from their guiding principle of their party. And then he ended up calling me that Friday. It made news because Premier took a phone call with wow. <laughs> what was called a, an extremist organization. I, I I never knew fighting against discrimination, coercion, division, and hate was such an extreme view. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it seems like that's the kind of thing that Canadians should be standing for all the time. Exactly. All together, right? so. Exactly. So, and the conversation went well. We we spoke on the phone for about an hour and 15 minutes and I had to go because my daughter was sitting next to me, losing her mind. We were in the car at the time when he called. So I think uh, they were losing patience. So <laughs> with me, 
just as the premier would say. And so out of that, you kind of saw 180 degree where his language changed. He started saying, look, the unvaccinated are not, um, they're a family, they're a friends, not right wing wacko. So he kind of used Ryan Miley's wow. language kind of against him. So yeah, and that kind of blew up our group. We went from 10,000 members to about 20,000 members and we're still growing. Wow. Um, and I suspect we're going to grow even more if they think or try to implement more mandates in the fall and now changing the definition of what being uh, vaccinated mean. I think we're going to see a lot more people um, want to join our group to kind of lobby that from and stop it from happening. So that began with a phone call to a friend of yours. And uh, now you yeah. have, there's 20,000 people that are uh, expressing their um, their strong feelings about mm -hmm. mandates and about all that has happened in regard to uh, vaccine and so on. So <clears throat> the Truckers Freedom Convoy, uh, not sure timing wise when that took place uh, compared to the the work that you the were doing call? there. Yeah, so the phone call occurred in December. And I mean, our group, we worked a lot on lobbying the government, obviously. And we were strong believers, if you're going to critique the mandates, give them solutions. Instead, you, you can critique, but if you don't give solutions, then then <laughs> you're not you're not going to be ahead. So we we did some work with getting um, Lieutenant Colonel David Redman on a zoom with with MLAs and we did invite the premier. Now I can't say if he was on that, yeah. that zoom call, but I, I have to say some of the language used by Lieutenant Colonel David Redman was, was used in the following weeks when it came to announcing some of okay. the changes and they did start implementing what a, some of the recommendations that he had. And, um, and it was that was kind of around the time that was January 7th. So I think there was talks of the convoy. Um, there was talks of the mandates coming off. And then I think when the convoy came through, it was like um, that final nudge to get the, the government to, to realize that if they were to remove the mandates, they would get public support. Seeing all these people, the thousands and thousands of people come together to remove the mandates, I think, gave them an indication that they weren't getting by mainstream media right. or people in the public. People were afraid to speak out yeah. because anytime anyone spoke out, they got attacked. So, um, but the convoy did that. It was a really loud voice. I believe in Regina, we had one of the most successful events the same weekend as the convoy arrived in Ottawa, Regina had one from the province all the way to Regina. And we had, I believe, 950 trucks attend. Um, we had a, probably over, I estimated over 8,000 people show up at the ledge. I have video of it and it, yeah. it's just really I, powerful and amazing. I, I, it was a wonderful day. Yeah, I've seen some of the drone footage. I think that was the same event you're talking about. Yeah. Kind of a big, uh, the highway in a circle, in a, uh, square there and it, the drone just went around and around and uh it was mm -hmm. amazing the amount of yeah. trucks involved so we we also had a pretty good turnout um i'm up here in telqua uh british columbia near smithers and we had a very uh good event in smithers on that same weekend as well very mm -hmm. powerful a uh, lot of a uh, lot of support locally 
And it did seem to turn the tide of public opinion mm -hmm. in our area. We had been outliers and maybe, uh, you know, uh, implicated as, oh, the unvaccinated are causing these problems. And, and it's a, a, a uh, you know, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, I think things definitely turned when the truckers went across and all that took place in Ottawa. Um, public opinion definitely turned. We got a lot more honking. We were out last weekend near here in Cedarvale and we were waving and uh, had flags beside the highway. And I, it was well over 50% of the vehicles passing by were honking, friendly wow. honking, uh, not, not unfriendly honking. Mm -hmm. So um, certainly that <clears throat> the Truckers Freedom Convoy had a huge impact. Um, so uh, do, you, do you think, I guess you, you're saying that your premier turned uh, a bit, he responded to the information you gave him and, and your appeal. Uh, do you think Saskatchewan handled the COVID crisis any better or worse than any other provinces? I think I think on some aspect, people look to Saskatchewan and see as like, oh, almost the Florida of Canada. It wasn't quite that. Um, I, I recognize that the the premier, like Scott Moe, was the first one to start using better language. But he was all also the one to use the harshest language before. Yeah. Um, back in in October, November, where he he was talking down to the the people of Saskatchewan. Now I'm glad that he removed it, and I think when he announced he was going to remove it, it kind of spread to the other provinces. And I believe Alberta was the first one. Uh, Jason Kenney just had to get in there <laughs> yeah. and be an MP to it. Well. Um, but at the same time, I think the people of the province haven't forgotten the language that was used. And there's never been a, an apology on that. So I think there's a lot of distrust in the province because they, they promised they wouldn't be bringing in passports. And, and there we were not able to go in, into a restaurant, not able to, to go buy, <laughs> buy a, a beer. Yeah. Like uh, when, when you, some of the mandates, like the liquor store, how can you say, Oh, I can go get groceries. I can go get clothes, but I can't go get a, a, a bottle of wine it's yeah. very discriminatory and you can't really follow that up by science so yeah. so things like that I think yeah we we were a little bit more fortunate I think in some sense but then at the same time some of the language really caused the people to turn in on themselves like families separated neighbors against each other and when your own government speaks like that in your media and not just that our Saskatchewan Health Authority some of the advertisement they had was downright horrible like they they had a a bunch of kids binge drinking at a party saying do you want to be left out like that that to me is horrible advertising so we were better off in some sense but in some sense I don't think we were and oh. it really caused a situation where people turn on themselves. Yeah. So even though the the provincial mandates might not have been the what it did to society in Saskatchewan, especially it went against all of 
Saskatchewan's value. If you've ever been here, very nice, welcoming, loving people. And it created something that I never thought I would see here in in this province. Yeah, from a political perspective, uh, Saskatchewan has had some of the best members of parliament in recent decades anyway. I've known a number of them, Brad Trost, Morris Vellicott, Kelly Block, uh, Mm-hmm. And and several other well, uh, Kathy Wagenthal, of course, people that agree mm-hmm. with us or that we agree with them on on a number of issues, and so the people of Saskatchewan, I always looked at them as rock solid, salt of the earth, uh, mm-hmm. people you could trust, people who know you know what it takes to you know to build a farm or you know to raise a crop, uh, <clears throat> hardworking, uh, just upright citizens, and so. It must have been quite difficult for some of those folks, common sense people, to see this uh, very illogical uh, set of uh, mandates brought down. Um, So right now we see this farmers movement going on in the Netherlands. I know uh, there there is support here in Canada for that. Um, By the time we uh, air this this podcast, uh, uh, there will have been some uh, protests in solidarity with with the farmers movement. I'm sure they took uh, quite a uh, a lesson uh, from the from the truckers here, but they also are fighting for their lives in a very desperate sense that uh, their farms are in danger of being shut down. They they estimate if they just uh, bent over and let uh, the the government you know, uh, force them, you know, uh, to reduce their herds that about a third or 30% at least of, of uh, Dutch farmers would lose their farms, would not be able to continue. Um, any, any thoughts about that whole situation in the Netherlands? I think, I think Canada is very much supporting the, the protests there. And I have heard that it was, I guess not influence, but uh, um, oh, what's the word? Motivated by the truckers' convoy in Canada, and and that kind of motivated them to to take a stand the way they did. Now in Canada, it's um, we can't think that oh, it's just happening there. Those same policies are on their way here to Canada. It might not be as advanced as it is in Netherlands, but they're trying to do the same policies here. They're trying to reduce the use of fertilizer by 30%. Um, like in Saskatchewan alone, that that has an estimated cost of about $400 million. So we can't say that that that's not going to affect it here. Not only that, the rise in carbon tax, the rise in interest rate, if you if you know anything about the farming industry in Canada, a lot of the farming assets are all on credit. Um, a combine costs over a million dollars brand new. Well, that's all on credit. The higher the interest rate goes up, the less the farmers can afford it. So I think we're, we're expecting to see something very similar here in the coming years if they keep pushing for the same kind of restrictions as the the liberal government is doing with that that UN agenda 2030 now that's not a conspiracy you can go online and look at at what they're trying to do one of them is reducing 
the amount of fertilizer, the Trudeau government has even explained that, that that's what they're trying to do. The carbon tax is going to keep going up while they're not really accounting for, for the carbon um Oh, what's it called the the carbon because farms they take in a lot of carbon as well it's about six sixty percent of what it's released so um but yeah they're they're not considering all of that which is unfortunate but I think the reason is is when you look at who's forming the the liberal government they're all in the east coast they're not big farming industry so <laughs> I as Ronald Reagan would say, it's not that they're ignorant, it's just they know so much that just isn't so. <laughs> and yeah, that, and that very great. much applies to the farming industry here in Canada. And you you can't forget to mention too that the, the big push on, on plant-based products and the attack on the meat industry, they want to now there's a new cricket yeah. <laughs> factory being built in Ontario for food consumption. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can't help but think uh, it's a direct attack on the West. Yeah. And I'm hoping we're going to see some changes in the, in the future. Yeah. We asked the government about their COVID policies and all we got was crickets, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um uh, I wanted to ask you about Tamara Litch as well. Uh, I mean, I think anyone involved in the movement, anyone getting alternative media at all understands that what's happened to her is completely unjust. It's the most mm -hmm. uh, hideous abuse of justice that I can think of that this peaceful woman who was simply asking for the prime minister to, to hear some uh, other thoughts other than <laughs> from his own cabinet and, mm -hmm. and uh, the pharmaceutical companies. And now she's behind bars. And there are people out there who, you know, the person who ran into, you know, drove a vehicle uh, deliberately into uh, uh, a march of um, freedom protesters. That guy got out on with uh, <clears throat> in very little time, hardly any bail conditions compared mm -hmm. to... Uh, you know, Tamara Litch, they're all upset because she got a picture taken with with a fellow freedom uh, patriot. What What are your thoughts about uh, Tamara Litch and what can we do? I know you have been active in trying to raise awareness of her case. So where do you see that going? Yeah, I think I think it's very important to recognize, too, the, the picture that the mainstream media, um, the narrative that they've painted is not reality. Tamara Litch is, is, she's a very kind, warm, caring person that, that honestly, she did, she wasn't looking for fame, looking for anything. She ended up starting a GoFundMe page thinking they would raise a couple thousand dollars that kind of got out of control and got to 10,000. From my understanding, 10, she wasn't even planning on going to 10, Ottawa. 10 she didn't million, have, was 10, 10 million. million. Sorry. Yeah, tell yeah. tell me. Um, she wasn't even planning on going to Ottawa from my understanding. She just ended up there and didn't even have change of clothes and, uh, and kind of got put into this, this uh, leadership figure, her, her and Chris Barber. And, um, and what I find shocking is that she's kind of like the, the make an example of she, she's what I would describe as a political prisoner, whether you want to, to admit it or not. When you when you think about 
that protest and what occurred there is simply not what they're painting it to be. They were calling it an insurrection that they weren't leaving until they um, got the prime minister out. That's not true. They just wanted the mandates removed so the truckers could keep working so that we wouldn't have supply chain issues. And even to combat that, I have them on video. I went to Ottawa and I ended up running into Chris and Tamara just by chance. And there was this pastor uh, in or preacher in Ottawa praying over them, giving them a word. And uh, you even hear them in that video say, he says, we want the mandates off. And, and they say, yeah, if they were removed, we'd be gone here today. Right. They, that, they wanted nothing but the, the mandates removed. And um and to be heard and the prime minister wouldn't give him any time but it's funny he'll go to any other protest and and go and and kneel on his knees at the black lives matter protest he'll actually participate and he wouldn't even listen for a second to what they had to say and i find that very uh, discouraging and not only that the words that he used to describe the protesters um to me was uh, just a pure example of the lack of leadership that he has when you can't recognize that people disagree with you and you just go on to insulting and and demeaning and putting down, that's not how you respond to people that aren't happy with you. No, they had the opportunity set up for him and for um, his um, public health officer, Teresa Tam and others could have sat down with doctors and uh, truckers mm-hmm. and, and organizers and had, uh, you know, a, a wonderful, peaceful exchange of uh, thoughts, but they rejected that. They rather uh, called it Emergencies Act, uh, implement the Emergencies Act and bring out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, violent uh, police officers who who did his bidding. And uh, it's, it was a tragic way that that ended. Now, speaking of that, um, you're involved in in uh, uh, a documentary that's coming up, or you're you're promoting a documentary. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So so that same instance that I I said that we ran into Chris and Tamara, we ended up having that on video, and it, it's funny because at the time when I was in Ottawa, we were trying to upload it and it wouldn't work, and uh, and then I thought, oh, I'll do it when I get back. And I don't don't know if your viewers are all believers, but uh, God took it completely out of my mind. I kind of <laughs> forgot that it existed until uh, a couple weeks ago. I had someone say, hey, what's happening to Tamara is not right. And I fully agree with that. I will just pause that for a second and, and change subject and I'll come back to it. As an, a former police officer, I've never seen a situation where a Canada-wide warrant has been issued for something like that. Um, we've seen murder or, or very serious domestic issues and they won't issue a Canada-wide warrant. Um, usually it's only issued when you fear that that person's gonna um, commit like another violent crime. I've never right. seen it for anything like that. So that uh, in itself, that treatment that she's received, they're definitely trying to make an example of her to discourage anyone else from, from coming forward. So I'll go back. Sorry. I went, I just wanted to make sure I covered that as a former police officer It's just horrible what they're doing to her. Right. But now we're going to go back to this video. So 
they asked, what can we do? And I'm like, well, we need to show the public who Tamara really is. And, and I, I said, let's talk about stories where Tamara's helped people out, where she was involved in, in nonprofit organizations, stuff like that. We need to show the public who she is, not who the media is trying to make up and, right. and, and all of that. So I said, wait a minute, I have a video of Tamara. And it kind of all came back. I'm like, I'm going to release that. And we're going to start this hashtag. This is Tamara. And so we released the video and it went viral. I think it's over 25,000 views now on, on uh, a few platforms that we've put it on. Um, and then the preacher in there, I was trying to find him because we wanted to do a prayer meeting over Twitter spaces for Tamara on the day of her trial. So someone found him and he reached out to me and he's like, I knew someone had that video. I'd been looking for it this whole yeah. time. Well, and awesome. he's like, I've done a documentary on, on what's been going on in Ottawa and, uh, and how God was using it and moving through the convoy. And um, so he said, I was supposed to release it this week. But I was praying the night he was praying the night before that for God to help him on on finding out how to get it in front of the eyes of many Canadians. And just so happens he gets this. It's just too much of a coincidence. But, yeah. So anyways, he gets the, a message that someone was trying to find him. So and then he sent me the documentary. And I have to say, it's quite powerful. It's a very big de depiction of what Ottawa was and what God was doing in Ottawa, like the the lie, the many many lives that was saved um, in Ottawa. So so we decided we're going to have a big event in Saskatoon where we're going to release do a video premiere of this documentary. So we're just in the process of getting the proper permits and the insurance and the, the sound equipment and big video screen because we want to do it outside at a park. So so that's going to be happening for, if it doesn't change August 14th in Saskatoon. So we don't have the time set yet. So but it's going to be pretty powerful. Anyone who's going to be anywhere near Saskatoon on August 14th. Mm -hmm. They'll want to be attending the, the yeah. We're expecting a huge turnout. Yeah, yeah, super, super. And um, for folks who want to follow you or get in touch with you or somehow be involved in uh, what's going on in your circles, how do they how do they reach you or where do they follow you? Sure. There, there's several platforms. Our biggest one and most well-known one is the our private Facebook group that's called Unified Grassroots. Uh, we've been shadow banned a bit, so if you search it, you might have a hard time finding it. Just write Unified Grassroots and you'll have to click on groups and then it'll come up. We also have a public facebook page um so if you're looking for the page you 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 can also follow us there if you don't want to join into the group uh we have a website unifiedgrassroots.com um what else i'm also on twitter with nadine ness so we do a lot of what's called twitter spaces so we we had one last week uh twitter space is kind of like a a Zoom, but it's just audio and you can have several speakers at the same time. It's a new platform that not a lot of people know. And you can also listen in if you're not on Twitter. And we had one last week discussing Tamara, the convoy and stuff. And we had 
pretty um, big names. We had Stockwell Day, Jerry Ritz, David Anderson, who have been strong advocates for freedom and former politicians. We had some lawyers as well and some police officers. So that was very well attended as well. So Twitter, um, I'm trying to think. We're also on Telegram, although I'm not the one that runs it. So I can't really uh, say how to find that one. But our website has all of those links okay. Okay. as well. So unifiedgrassroots.com is yeah. the website. Well, Nadine, uh, I know that you've got little children there that are going to meet <laughs> you any minute now. And uh, I'm glad that you were able to find a bit of a quiet time to mm-hmm. uh, speak to our viewers and listeners today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you again. Last time I spoke with you, you were still pregnant and yes, very. Uh, about to have <laughs> your most recent child born so mm-hmm. uh, congratulations on the birth of your child and god bless you your husband and your children and uh, and your work in unified grassroots uh, thank you well, for god taking, bless you too yeah thank you for taking the time thank to you. do this today god bless you okay thanks thanks for listening to chp talks For more content you don't want to miss, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast, CHP Talks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To view our weekly episodes in a video format, you can find us on Brighteon at brighteon.com forward slash channel forward slash CHP Canada. On BitChute at bitshoot.com forward slash channel forward slash CHP Canada. Now, social media censorship and the cancel culture have restricted what we can discuss on YouTube, but most of our programs can still be found on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash CHP Canada. Thanks for joining us. Please share this information with others. After all, speaking the truth is an act of love. I'm Rod Taylor, National Leader of CHP Canada and your host of CHP Talks. See you next week.